0: Clear is kind, unclear is unkind, Brene Brown. Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Prince Edition, Book Two, Episode Eight, The Book of Destiny. everybody welcome back welcome back we are approaching the end of book two and once again we are so incredibly lucky to be welcoming an amazing guest you all may know him as spider ham from marvel battle world or sans smirk from my little pony or perhaps one of his many other voices and characters but i know that the majority of you will know jesse inokalia as the voice of soren himself Jesse is here with us today. Jesse, how has life been treating you? How are you? What's what's going on? Oh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's year two of a global pandemic, and
1: I'm doing my best to to stay alive and thriving. Um, hope everybody out there is is safe and healthy, and masking up and getting vaxxed it's the one free thing you can do in the american healthcare system so you might as well (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, low blow (laughs) Uh, hey i gotta take him where i can get him oh man Um, but yeah things have been things have been pretty good it's been uh it's been a, a a very chill chill year so far um but you know just always always trying to move forward and trying to pay a special eye to being, being kind to myself in trying times.
0: Ooh, tell can, Okay. Can you give me an example of uh, a time in the past week or 24 hours? You feel <laughs> like you have been kind to yourself and what, what kind of form did that take?
1: Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to, not to steal a, not to steal a, a, a thing from David Lynch, but, you know there was there was that wonderful moment in the first season of twin peaks where dale cooper says you know once a day every day give yourself a gift mm. uh doesn't matter what it is just let it be let it happen let it be unexpected and just you know treat yourself a little bit and you know for for me what that kind of translated into yesterday is you know my my partner uh got hit by a bad bad uh, bad case of heat exhaustion because of the the heat waves the heat dome that's formed here and I was kinda, you know, doing my best to take care of the house, take the dog out, you know, go pick up snacks for us. And uh, I just, mid midway through the day, I started getting a really, really bad headache. And mm-hmm. I've had sleep, I've had not sleep exhaustion, jeez, I wish I had, I've had heat exhaustion and heat stroke before. And I know that to be uh, one of the symptoms, you know, you start getting a really bad headache because you haven't hydrated enough. And because you know, you're just moving too much, and I was like, oh, you know, I I think I need to take a moment. And I just went to go lay down and I took like a little hour long nap. And it it I woke up feeling so much better and so much more revitalized. And uh oh. it it's it's incredible just what that little that little reset can do for you, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So and so many of us, myself included really struggle with giving ourselves that space to be tip for our bodies to tell us that, Hey, you need to rest. And then yeah. like following through with it is such a chore. <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's, it's something I've been thinking a lot about in
1: the, in the, in the throes of COVID-19 shall we yeah. say, because we are most certainly not in the wake. Uh, I I think something, something really interesting and something that I think is, really special that's come out of what we've all been collectively experiencing is we're starting to understand a more nuanced and more, uh, more more thorough, uh, approach to how we work and how we hustle and how we grind and Mm. how like hustle culture is, is deeply toxic and deeply,
0: (laughs) the worst,
1: deeply bad for you. And like how, how work structures as they've been built in the Western world, really all over the world, have been made in such a way so as to not benefit the worker, so as to keep us exhausted. Yeah. And I just think it's really, really interesting that, that because, not of course all of us, because you know there are frontline people, food workers, everyone, but people who have had the opportunity to work at home can now are now being asked to come back into office spaces, yeah, going like, yeah. "Why though?" Because I was doing the exact same job from here, and y'all weren't having any complaints about it. And it's uh, it's something that that I found really interesting to see, and it's something that I hope I hope more people wake up to.
0: Yeah, you what you just described reminds me of the language from Brene Brown's book called Rising Strong. Mm. It talks about the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution. Mm. And COVID-19 brought on a real strong reckoning. <laughs> like, we'll and we are reckoning, yeah. right? And so we are, we are all reckoning with a, a great deal of, of things. And this is one of those things that we're, we're reckoning is like, oh my goodness, this is like an issue. Yeah. <laughs> and this now- is just life now. Yeah, and now we're rumbling with it. And now we're, we're tossing it around. We're, we're playing with it. We're trying to figure out the best way to handle it. And what that's gonna lead to is something that's pretty revolutionary. I imagine if people I continue hope. to speak up for yeah. their, at their places of work and say, hey, I, I do a better job from home. And that's not true for everyone. Some people sure. do a better job at work. And I think it's just how do we get people who are in charge and capable of making these decisions to say, you need to go where you're gonna do your best work and where you are gonna be your best self. And I probably should have reordered those, <laughs> right? Where you are going to yes. be your best self is most important, and that's just not necessarily the the outlook of business people.
1: No, no, not <laughs> not particularly. Uh, I man, I, I tell you, I was so shook; it, it sent me into a into an anxiety attack seeing the the CDC like you know last month that time of recording or the month before saying oh yeah you're fine to go maskless in public spaces now yeah because you know it, the, the, there's variance there's variance growing right now <laughs> yeah and you know even in even where i am in vancouver you know we've got i believe it was 80 something percent of the adult population has their first shot which is incredible yeah that's high but- it's only the first shot still. <laughs> and people are walking around, you know, maskless and, and going to drum circles on the beach. And I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, guys? yeah. We are, we are literally like, I am, a big, I am a big proponent of collective action as one is probably aware of from my Twitter feed. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, I, I just think like, there's literally no way we're getting through COVID or really any, Thing without looking out for the best of the group you yeah know? without yeah taking care of each other and without um you know especially with regards to COVID you know looking out for the people who can't get vaccinated
0: absolutely like right
1: who are chronically ill or people who have you know medical stuff that makes them actual medical stuff that makes them unable to absolutely get get vaxxed. you know like We are no one is safe until everyone is safe.
0: Well, and that's something that I've been kind of grappling with in my studies Mm -hmm. at school and my master's degree programs. I've been experiencing and learning a a lot of research around how the whole population is improved when we are paying attention to and caring for the most vulnerable among us, right? There's so much data out there that suggests that when we make sure that the most extreme vulnerable case, if they are able to be taken care of everyone benefits from that. So I'm, I am all on board with everything that you're saying. And I, and I hope that we can, I hope that we continue to make sure that that message comes through in everything that we're doing so that we can continue to lean on each other and build that community. I, I truly, truly hope so. It's,
1: it's, it's something that, that has weighed so heavily on i mean not just me of course but the entire human population that yeah. everyone that is in charge is more worried about keeping the economy running than keeping the people alive and yep. you know we even see that here in bc we've got you know our own premier has has okayed the logging of ancient old growth forest which is contributing to to our heat dome <laughs> yeah like come insult on insult to injury uh, yeah and it's like I saw the math on it and it was ridiculous. Like one of those giant ancient trees was like $30,000 worth of lumber. Oof. And I'm like, yo, there's better ways to make $30,000,
0: bro. Yeah. I could survive on one tree for a year.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Easy. (laughs) Easy, dude. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Anyway. There's so much. So much we could just go. We could just digress for the whole. Full oh, time. We <laughs> known to do that on podcasts. Uh, but let's let's dive in. So today we're talking about clarity. Clarity is our lens for this episode, and we're talking about episode eight of season two, book two, if you will. Uh, the book of destiny, book of which destiny. frankly is really unclear, right? The book of destiny, <laughs> super unclear, right? <laughs> well, at least for me. Um, but I, I'm I'm really interested to, to hear from you and kind of change the conversation a little bit and ask you about, tell me about a moment of clarity in your life, whether that be where it was sorely lacking, whether there uh-huh. was something that, um, a, some clarity came to you and it changed the way you saw something. Can you tell me about any sort of moment along those lines?
1: Yeah, I, I, I've i been thinking a lot about this since you asked me about this. And, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now and... You know, the, the, the pandemic has brought about a resurgence of all manner of hobbies that I left aside when I was a kid, you know, and I, through, through the lens of clarity, something that really struck me is that, you know, something that really made my life so much better was when I stopped caring what other people thought I was doing, Ooh, because that's, you know, through that lens of, uh, I don't even know if you've done this one yet, but judgment, right? Mm. Like we all feel judged at all times by everything. Like I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. Like I am constantly feeling outward pressure, which isn't actually there in many cases, but, you know, I recognize is, is something that I need to deal with. And the, the, the clarity that I speak of is that of just letting go, And allowing myself to be my best self in spite of my previous selves, I think is a good way to phrase it. Wow. Because, you know, we, I mean, I don't know about you, Ben, but, you know, (laughs) there, (laughs) I believe it was some famous guy who said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. (laughs) And there is no one in the world who is free of sin you know, there is no, there is no fave that is, and, you know, I'm no different, no one is any different, I did real dumb shit as a kid, you know, I did real dumb shit in my 20s, and I look back on it, and in some cases, I laugh, because it was me being very stupid, you know, just getting blackout and wandering into the night, or, I don't know, other, other examples of dumb (laughs) stuff or I look back and I am just frozen at the at the ignorance or at the at the lack of lack of clarity shall we say yeah absolutely experience in those moments but I found it so freeing and I guess you could call this a moment of clarity to to look back and be all like yeah well you know what that was 15 years ago and You are the only one who remembers (laughs) (laughs) it. So maybe it's time to stop letting it rule your life. Wow.
0: There's so much that I like thought about while you were speaking. And I'm just amazed at that, that kind of track, because that, what an honest and like what an honest account of the human experience that you just gave us. Um, and I and I think that that's so important to hear from from people because we, we see it honestly in in this episode right and I, not to jump ahead but man no, <laughs> Soren yeah. has a pretty uh, rough experience throughout this whole episode throughout this arc um, dude throughout whole, like yeah fair. last episode this episode
1: next episode is a rough time for old Sorbear. yeah and. It's
0: it's honestly what you just described really just reminded me of of his experience. Um, it's really fascinating to to kind of hear you speak about that. And, and I'm sure that is ultimately what gave you a, a lot of insight into how to voice that character in these moments. Um, really, really, really beautiful um, in kind of a dark way, if you if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I, I prefer
1: it that way. So it worked out. Yeah.
0: Way. You know, one of the things that came to mind also in the way you described it, like this this concept of letting go of judgment, letting go of this this gremlin of comparison, yes. um, that is similar verbiage to the way Brene Brown describes uh, one of the wholehearted guideposts to wholehearted living in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Uh, you can tell how much of a Brene Brown nerd I am uh, right no. now. Um, <laughs> this Open is what, like,
1: Drop yep, yep. Uh oh this Brene Brown, no thank you. Oh yeah.
0: But <laughs> but yeah, one of the guideposts is letting go of comparison so that you can cultivate creativity. Yeah. Because like comparison is the enemy of creativity. And and you are such a creative being. Like literally, <laughs> so much of what you do is surrounded by and, and guided by creativity that this it makes it's I feel a lot of clarity. On the outside looking into the experience you described because that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, how, like how does that resonate with you? Is that just like, nah, never, nah, this is- No, this is... no, absolutely. <laughs> it's, you know,
1: it, it's something, I, I took a class recently with, uh, with an animation teacher I've been wanting to work with for, god, a decade easily. And I mean, because of COVID-19, he started advertising his classes online, so I was like, I am, I'm in, this is it, I'm here. It's awesome. And he said something that, as an actor, I always knew. But it's one of those things where, like, you want it to set in. And it sat in, in this case. Where he said, we have literally no control over our careers. We have no control over whether we book. We have no control over if what we do is what they want. We have no control over if the show that we happen to be a part of uh, gets big. We don't know what's ever gonna bite. We have no control. Yeah. So why not have fun with it? Hear, hear. You know, <laughs> and that, that just really struck me. And you know, it, part of it too, is it helped me further define my own artistic voice because art is messy. Art yes. is impolite. Art is uh, undeniable. In its in its uh, in its works, you know we know art when we see it, <laughs> mm. and you know to to be uh, to be polite in your work, to be uh, restrained in your work, to be to to give them any reason to say no, nah, that's not it, is doing yourself a disservice as an artist and that's something i've tried to cultivate and move forward with. i mean of course i'm i'm only human i fuck up all the time. uh but it's been a nice guidepost and like it's nice like lighthouse in the dark for me to go okay if ever i'm falling off
0: just be undeniable in your work. Mm. yeah i i think we should just end the podcast right there y'all. that that's <laughs> your that's your one liner. <laughs> like take that away, write that down and that's awesome. i'm Oh, I'm like I'm struck here. This is where I am. Um, hey, that's how I felt, dude. I'm just I'm just parroting my teacher. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I heard it from you, so I'm seeing you as like the like pedestal right here. Wow, that's awesome. So one w- one of the things that comes to mind as you kind of describe that is the re- what is the relationship between clarity and control? Hmm. And so as we kind of dive into the content of the episode, I'm interested in kind of parsing out that question. But sure. before we do, we have a responsibility oh boy. to make sure that our listeners are clear on oh what's going down in this episode, which means you know what's coming. It's time I, I for the 30-second recap. Here we go. And I'm going to give you the, the choice. You get to go first or second. And i'm gonna let you decide what do you think
1: i'm gonna go first because i want to get it out of the way <laughs> get it get it out of the way i get yeah. it all right well i'm gonna
0: hold a timer up to the screen so Please, you no, know i'm not even gonna look at it you just tell me when i'm done all right i'll give you 30 seconds all right you ready ready on your mark get set
1: go okay open battlefield sorin has been struck by a dragon he's been bounced against a rock he no longer can walk uh, Claudia tries to heal him Doesn't work They end up going to a hospital Cut to Smash cut It's Rayla and Ezran And the other guy And they're walking And Callum's not feeling so hot Because he's uh, He was just Toying around with dark magic And he goes into a dream state Where he uh, Sees the prince uh, No he sees the king Sees uh, Vilas. Uh, Soren does haiku uh, Okay that's 30 seconds I, tried. I, oh. I got part through I spent too much time On the first Two scenes Anyway we Focus all do life. that. It's it's how we do it. It's how we do That's it. That's how we
0: do. That's how we yeah. do. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna do the same thing, and okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my best run, and we're gonna see what okay. happens. I believe in you. All right. On my mark. Get set. Here we go. So, okay. So, Callum's recovering from dark magic, and he's, you know, delirious. Sorin's broken, and then Claudia's broken up about it because magic's not helping. And then Viren learns Erebus's name and can't read it or write about him. And then he gets shushed in the library. And then Corvus and the princes and pledges loyalty. And Ezra's like, "Oh my God, I'm the king." And he's like really sad, and it's really bad. And then Dark Callum tries to convince Dreaming Callum that dark magic is the best way to go, and then he loses. And then Soren is paralyzed for life and confesses mission to Viren to kill the princes. And he's relieved to be a poet. And then Claudia gets thrown out of the hospital and finds Ezra on a banther. And Callum goes on dream journey with Vila and then drown die that's the end i'm gonna say you got you got further than i did <laughs> <laughs> there's so much that happens in this a lot episode, in this episode. Like some of a the lot, episodes lot are happens. much easier to recap than others yeah. this is a difficult episode to recap lot because happens. there's just so much going down Totally. oh okay all right so theoretically now our listeners have a better remember they've remembered a little bit about what's going on hopefully they just watched it like we did and we are Uh, super prepared and ready to dive into now the episode content uh, and ask questions about clarity and see what we can learn from this episode. So Jesse, yes, what is a moment of clarity in this episode that stuck out to you?
1: Mm. Um, (laughs) It seems out of character for me to reference a Callum moment, but here we are. Uh, It's when he says destiny is a book you write yourself. Mm. and there's a couple reasons that sticks out for me because i remember when we were recording it um aaron who was who was there on the day was directing jack and he was like okay jack this is like this is the whole ethos of the show is destiny is a book you write yourself Ooh, that's because now it is You know, I mean, the entire the concept of the show is based on these generational cycles of violence and generational cycles of trauma. And by by breaking that that wheel, by by breaking the um, the assumption that humans can only do dark magic ever. Callum is doing exactly that. And he's saying to dark Callum. Destiny is a book you write yourself because I don't need to be, I don't need to follow what you claim is my destiny, which is to be a, a dark mage.
0: Yeah. Wow. And it's, I think it's so interesting that this moment of clarity is in an argument with himself. Yeah. Right. This, like, how, how interesting is it that sometimes these, these paradigm shifting moments of clarity come from within? And and I'm like, you would imagine, right? That that would come from a, a teacher or a, a parent or a mentor. You would imagine that you'd be taught these things, taught sure. this kind of clarity. But, you know, it's interesting because this is a moment that comes from within. Tell me, like, what's your response to to hearing and thinking about it from that perspective?
1: I think, I, I, I like that you bring that up because it's my opinion that, you know, a lot of new information comes from, comes from without, it comes from teachers, it comes from uh, parents, guardians, books, internet, whatever. But, you know, I tell, I tell actors all the time when I'm teaching them, we as human beings have built in bullshit detectors. You're
0: here. here. You know,
1: we know when people <laughs> are lying to us. We know when people are, are being untrue with us, even to a small scale, we might go, oh, that doesn't seem right. And what I have come to accredit this to is, the gut you know this is your gut telling you "Eh, I don't know about this and I think you know ultimately in this moment we see Callum within himself talking to himself almost in a god I almost want to say like id versus ego
0: in a way that makes perfect sense sure
1: a little bit of him going like you know the id saying like no you have to do this this is the only way and the ego going hold on no there is another way I will assert my own way to do this. Yeah. Uh, But I think it just comes from the gut. It comes from saying like, no, I know this is what I know this is what is expected of me. But I also know this isn't what I want. And I am still going to achieve my goal. But I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And your way in this case being uh, the tradition of it.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm 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 Kind of reflecting on your original story when i asked sure. you to talk about clarity and thinking about how while we did while you did have this mentor give you this really beautiful uh experience of of a narrative the the moment of clarity you spoke about was also a moment that you kind of came to on your own yeah. right and Can you tell me a little bit about, like, did you have a dream sequence in which you were arguing with yourself to have that? (laughs) Well, I turned into the sail of a boat,
1: and I spoke to a parrot briefly. No, (laughs) I I think, you know, as an actor, we have to be our own best cheerleader and our own best critic. Hmm. And the critic part is really easy for all of us. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know that (laughs) very well. The critic
1: part's the crazy easy one. But the cheerleader part's much, much harder. And that, I would argue, is the more important one. Because mm. I, I tell you, I had an experience earlier this year where I, there was this series that was auditioning, and I really wanted to get on it. I was yeah. just like, I was crazy about this show. And uh, I was in my booth, which is a closet that I've turned into a booth. <laughs> and it's very, very warm in there. And I am sweating my balls off, dude. I am like dripping sweat, trying to get this character right. And each time I am doing what I know to be a very good take on the character. Mm -hmm. But I went through it probably 10 times just doing the same character, same lines and trying like, oh, but if I change this, oh, but if I do this, oh, if I do this, it'll be different. And then I got one that I thought I was happy with. I came out of the booth. I listened to all 10 takes, functionally identical. Like they were the same goddamn take, dude. Like there was nothing different about them. And I I just remember sitting there looking at looking at my my uh recording timeline and like listening back and just going like, huh? <laughs> well because <laughs> it's so easy to get in your head about shit, right?
0: Yeah. And yeah. like
1: so, so a a recent development for me that I'm very happy about is I uh, I have an agent in Los Angeles now, and I've been auditioning a bunch in L.A., which has been really lovely. Uh, however, the first weekend I signed with them, I love them very much. Uh, Maureen and Abby over at Ospring, Abby emails me and is like, "Hey, I have eight auditions for you due Monday," and I was like, "Okay, cool, let's go." <laughs>
0: And is, that, is that a normal amount?
1: Like, no, that was quite a lot. <laughs> okay. I, I was, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> That's like, I signed with them on a Friday and they needed them by Monday. And usually okay. like, man, like Vancouver's slow, dude, I'm getting like, you know, three or maybe, maybe three or four a week if I'm lucky. Yeah. But I had, you know, these eight to do, and some of them were relatively meaty and one, cause I signed, thursday night and i came over like i got the email friday and they were like yo we need this friday morning i was like cool let's fucking go um i had no time to think about any of them like i i of course did all my actor stuff i was like who am i where am i what do i want all that stuff but i didn't have time to overthink yeah and i just like and this has been kind of my ethos moving forward since since signing is like you know do do what you need to do but then trust the process trust that you know what you're doing and that. That, that has changed my game drastically because now you know I'll audition and I'll just be like, okay, gotta go, gotta move on to the next one. Can't spend three hours doing 10 takes of the same three pages. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. And it's, it's very, it sounds stressful and it is, but it's also incredibly freeing because I no longer give myself the permission to have the time.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that through a experience in which you kind of had this new experience uh, sure. that, you know, that changed your your thought process and you were able to move through this um audition process in a completely different way. Sure. And through that experience you gained new insight that created this um, this clarity for you. Absolutely. And I'm I'm curious to think about how in our brains we can do the same thing. And sometimes it happens in an unconscious way via a dream. Sure. Sometimes it happens through a mode of experience over a long period of time. And sometimes it happens in our brain because we take time to process and everybody's different, right? Everybody has a different processing point. And the reason I lift that up is because I think that this, this moment that we're seeing in Callum's brain here in his dream is it has been catalyzed by this moment of dark magic. It has thrown him into this exhaustive state. But I also think that, What makes Callum able to withstand, quote, dark Callum in this moment (laughs) is this series of events with Rayla and Ezrin and Lujain leading up to this moment. And and Claudia and seeing Viren and seeing all these moments. Um, I think that's what gives him the capacity to have this dream in the first place. And so I I think the reason I lift that up is because I think sometimes we attribute clarity to this one single event when really all of our history is playing into that as well like our intuition right our intuition is built off of our experiences so I I think that's kind of I I heard that in your story as well as I'm I'm seeing that in Callum's experience too and so I I just I I thought that was neat (laughs) no I think that's (laughs) I think that's, I think that's a
1: really salient point. I mean, I, I don't think there really is. There's, there's rarely, if ever, like the one big moment where you're like, oh, I get it now.
0: This is the moment.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like like 99% of the time, it's a culmination of small things that have led you to the point to go like, oh, hold on. This is, this is not what I thought it was.
0: Well, and I think the problem is that it dawns, like it dawns on you as if it were this clarifying moment sure. when really it's it's not. It's this yeah, series when, when, of events that yeah. we're forgetting about.
1: In reality, it's it's a culmination of all of your experiences as a human being up to that point. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's our failures. That, or failures, yeah. It's, a, it's everything you've ever done up to that point where you have been, I don't know, say you were- uh, uh, bullied in school for wearing colorful clothes, say, mm-hmm. and so you spend the rest of your life just dressing really, really drab, because you know those those early formative experiences make you go, oh, I can't wear that. That's not proper. But yeah. then you try on purple socks, and you like them, and you go, Oh, I, I'm. Oh, but this seems like too much color. But then, for whatever reason, you feel the the uh, urge to wear them out in public and no one cares <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, one no one's making fun of you yeah. No one's noticing it's just for you and you're having a really wonderful time so maybe then you're like oh this worked. what if i try like a, a green t-shirt or something and it it slowly builds it's it's like every yeah. little tiny bit helps right we, we can never i i think something that is that is commonly thought of that rarely if ever happens is that one big moment where we go i'm fine to do anything ever yeah because that that's not that's not logical that's not logically consistent <laughs> mm-hmm. because you know you that there's there's really big deep formative things in us that that would prevent us from from just loudly declaring like "No, nope, this is it this is what i'm doing now no consequences no fear because yeah. there's always fear and there's always consequences yeah. Even if there are personal consequences, you know,
0: this is fat. I'm thinking of like 17 different metaphors at once. And it's <laughs> a problem because my, my brain is getting sidetracked. Um, sure. One of the things that it, I think will connect to another scene is, you know, so, so I, I wear glasses mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not wearing them now, but I, I normally wear glasses. And what happened was I had perfect vision up until I didn't. And, mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I didn't notice the slow change until one day when I realized, oh, I can't read what's on the, the board when I sit in the back of the classroom. Yeah, And that was a moment of clarity for me because there was this realization. But I think what happens is all of these moments in these these micro changes that I'm either ignorant towards or not observant enough to pay attention to and notice that I was still becoming blind, right? <laughs> and it wasn't until there was that 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 moment where oh, I I can't see as well that I started to really pay attention and notice that I needed glasses. Yeah, and I, I think that speaking of all of these you know paradigmatic shifts in the world, like many people have been coming to grips with the fact that they've been blind for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and finally they've had you know momentous things that throw that into sharp relief and I, I i find that really interesting because i want to connect this to Ezrin. sure Ezrin finds out that he is the new king of catullus yes and there is this moment of clarity when corvus says i come to serve the king and he bows to Ezrin. and Ezrin's like no I'm not the king I'm the prince he's like (gasps) and then he realizes but here's the deal immediately after that he gets mad at Rayla because I should have known because that second wristband fell off and like you you notice that he pulls out all of these details from that he's been cataloging and not listening to over time but it took this moment for that to become clear and I'm Tell, what's your response and reflection on that? Like, tell me about it. I I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that old,
1: old adage of like, you know, a frog in a pot never knows it's boiled till it's boiled, right? Yeah. Like, there's, there's all these, (laughs) there's all these, like, there's all these little red flags that pop up where you're like, oh, hold on. Oh, but that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. And, you know, it's like, um, are you familiar with Manufacturing Consent by, uh, by, I believe, Chomsky wrote it?
0: I don't know. Tell oh. me more.
1: Uh, it, it's a book basically stating uh, the, the core function of it is that um, you know news media, media, um, even just the way we are born and grow, allow uh, powerful, like, say, the government or, say, the military to manufacture consent for actions that they do.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So you know, for example, you might say that, uh, oh God, it's it's a horrible example, but bear with me, um, because because unhoused people uh, are drug addicts. Their lives are meaningless because drugs are bad. Therefore, anyone who uses drugs is bad. Therefore, unhoused people are bad, and they okay. don't deserve homes. And what that does, because like, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I was like inundated with anti drug propaganda. I was inundated with dare. Yeah, dare, totally. I was inundated with, you know, winners don't use drugs, you know, that, all that shit. And like, I don't, I don't care if people use drugs, like, whatever. It's their own choice. It's their own body. It's their own lives. But for the longest time, I had such a deeply held stigma against drug users yeah which is shitty incredibly shitty because they're just people like any one of us they just you know like to like to get high or whatever and it's it's all those little things that led up to that point that I wasn't even aware of yeah I didn't I didn't see dare for the propaganda campaign it was I didn't see the splash screens on arcades that said winners don't use drugs as propaganda. I just saw that as me going, Oh, that's, that seems fun. Okay, sure. I just started to started unconscious to, uh,
0: messaging. that's yes, just soaking in internalize it. Yeah.
1: And you know, I was, <laughs> it's so funny. I was looking at, uh, I was scrolling through Twitter this morning and as I we saw do. as, as we do Oh boy too much of it sometimes, but I saw, uh, Uh, a piece from a children's book that was posted by uh, someone just in terms of like in, and the caption said like in any other country we would recognize this as propaganda. And it was this child with his thumbs up, little toe headed kid smiling with a little speech bubble saying capitalism is great. (laughs) and underneath was like capitalism socialism communism and communism was red and socialism was like orange or yellow which of course we associate with wait hold on let's think about this and capitalism was green which we associate with go and capitalism was like breeds innovation values the individual uh you know all, all this shit you know and on the opposite end of the spectrum with like socialism communism it was like values the needs of many over the individual ooh bad (laughs) (laughs) encourages corruption bad and i'm like yo like oh okay dude we get it but the fact that there are children literal children because that's who that that was marketed towards looking at that and going Oh, okay. So this one is good because this is, this is individualism. This is strong. This is proud. Right. And these ones are bad because we have to care about people that aren't ourselves. Like the amount of red flags in there would build a factory. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's all those little things that just, that, that, that creep into our brains that we, we ignore or we just purposefully put out of our brains or, we
0: don't even understand are being absorbed into our brains that. And it comes that. down Sorry. to so much, not because it's not just children's books, right? No, it's also, absolutely not. it has everything to do with where we shop, how we shop, sure. where we spend our money. Every single dollar we spend is, you know, is voting somehow, some way. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that <laughs> there's so much out there that is, you know, gently caressing our mind into lead going a certain way and it goes unnoticed, right? Because we're blind to it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that one of the goals of this podcast has been to slowly increase personal awareness, right? Around not just sure. not just the media that we're intaking, but also like being critical of being literal. Of, yeah. Yeah.
1: Being being critical of the media that we there's nothing wrong with being critical of media we enjoy. Absolutely. At all. That that just shows
0: we enjoy it. <laughs>
1: That right. now have a discussion yeah.
0: about it. Well, feedback is, a, feedback is a function of respect. If I is. respect the media that I'm viewing, I'm, I'm going to be critical of it, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's just in, not necessarily critical in a bad way, but critical in a critical way. In a thinking way, way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a better way to say that, in a thinking way. Hmm. Uh, okay, all right. So we've talked about a little bit about Callum. We've talked a little bit about Ezrin. Tell hmm. me, what's, a, what's another moment of clarity for you? And if not yours, I have several. <laughs> uh i mean the, the the moment of clarity that i always come back to in this
1: episode is soren simply saying like he can't hurt anyone anymore oh it's,
0: it's like such a sad moment
1: it's, it's like oh it's my goodness heartbreaking but it's such a i think it's such a really lovely moment especially after the events of the previous episode where
0: you can just feel the burden coming off of his shoulders yeah. it's just oh oh you my god really goodness. really
1: can and you know the the whole the whole relationship that he has with Viren from that point on, yeah, is so different and so and I mean, of course, it escalates in season three. Uh, no spoilers, of course, for those of you who haven't watched it, but watch it anyway.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing if you haven't watched on, it? Like, go you go
1: watch it now. <laughs> You're living under a rock. <clears throat> um, it, it, it's it's such a really beautiful moment because. You know, Soren, up until this point, I think, in the show, in a lot of ways, has been kind of a, a sweet dope. <laughs> mm. He's been a, a sweet, dopey little puppy who has these grand designs on being a hero.
0: Yeah, barks a few times uh, yeah. when he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he... I've always said he
1: he always means well. It's just he... Especially in the first two seasons really really doesn't know what that way is yeah and i don't know if yeah. that that's because of viren or claudia i don't even think that's well, because of sorry go ahead back
0: you know what like it's it, i think it goes back to exactly what we we were just talking about i think mm. he's been growing up blind because yeah. he's been indoctrinated into viren's way of seeing the world
1: sure And not even Viren's, the entire human kingdom. Because, you know, everyone's like, ooh, elves bad, magic bad, magic not good, dragons, scaly, kill it. Like, (laughs) uh, of course, that's what he thinks is the heroic thing to do. Yeah. Because that's what is the heroic thing to do in the mind of, you know, a human living in, in, uh catullus uh, Catullus, yes i was trying to remember the name of the the continent but it's oh, Ugh, i don't I
0: know i don't know either. yeah
1: i don't i don't have the map i want the map but i ran out of time didn't have any time <laughs> 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 uh but yeah you know he 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 of course thinks this way because that's what humans think that's yeah. what they've been programmed to think that's what all of the propaganda leading to that point says and like you you'd be foolish to say that it's not propaganda. I know, I know that there are people out there who get like kind of cagey to use the word. Yeah. The fact of the matter is everything is.
0: Everything. Literally everything. And no one's immune to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm super on board. So I had a question and I, it's about this moment where Soren like starts saying, no, I'm okay with it. I'm actually going yeah. to become a poet. And here's my first poem. And I, I think one of the, the takeaways I'm, I'm realizing from this is that how, how serious life events can throw into sharp relief, how, the way that we have been living up to this point is not how we want to continue to live
1: mm-hmm. yeah. right
0: it's a some people call it a midlife crisis. some people call it like you know it's like whatever it may be, there's a paradigm shift where like it's no longer worth living this way yeah and soren i I hesitate to say he has it easy, but he certainly has the the choice and the element of having to grapple with that removed because it happens to him rather than something that he chooses. but I am curious about that i had never questioned whether soren was being you know sincere sincere in that moment until i watched it with this lens because i i totally was like this is so in character he has always wanted to be creative this is something that he's like never had because he's always had to be the fighter he's always had to do the workout but then in this moment i was like oh my goodness is he just trying to console claudia and well, i I have to know what, are, what are your thoughts on that moment? I've thought about this a fair bit. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even,
1: even performing it, I, I, I mean, of course, I thought about it a lot, to be honest with you. My very, very first thought when I saw the, you know, I'm going to be a poet Claude's was uh, my mind flashed to George Costanza on Seinfeld. and <laughs> like, Jerry, I'm going to do it. But that's that's just you know me making an offhand joke in my head um i i think this is my this is my head, Canon. I think he's being like eighty percent sincere, twenty percent consoling Claudia. Mm.
0: oh i so I like that you didn't you know subscribe to my binary there. uh thank you for showing us that it's not always a binary. <laughs> that never is <laughs>
1: uh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think because I mean he cares so much about his sister. His his sister, his family, is this whole world. And like it, it can be crushing to see someone that we really love go through something terrible. Mm. With, even if that something terrible is happening to us. And yeah. it's only natural that we want to be like, no, 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 it's okay. I'll I'll be fine. You know, I remember when I was when I was a, when I was a kid, you know, my mom was in a really bad car accident. And she, I was like 11 at the time, and she got into a five-car pileup that killed the three drivers leading up to her car. Oh. So, it wow. Was, it was close. She was unable to walk for a while. And uh it was it was rough. It was it was really rough for the family and yeah. She she put on a brave face for the entire thing. You know, well up until I was in my teens when, you know, she started being a little more open with her, with her emotions and her feelings on it. But, you know, that, that sort of strength, especially in the face of, you know, myself at, at 11 and my brother who was, you know, seven at the time, like, we, we were so shook by the events of what had happened but you know she's even told me to this day like she didn't want myself or my brother to be super panicked or super worried about it because she didn't want to derail our lives and like it it seems crazy to say that because of course our lives
0: were derailed yeah what a burden that is to have on your shoulders right
1: incredibly so and I understand because at at 11 and certainly at, at seven for my brother, I don't know. I don't know how he would have reacted. yeah, but you know, at the same time, speaking of episode eight specifically, like, there's no going back, yeah, at this point, you know there's no there's no going back and it's accepting a completely different shift to a completely different life and I think there's a lot of truth in what Soren's saying that he wants to do you know poetry and make tea and have people come and listen to him because you know he 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 can't hurt anyone anymore and that that line always sticks with me because I know not only because it's sad though but because it's
0: like because it's true. Yeah, no, that's, I, I don't, I, I think, don't misunderstand that, yeah, that please noise. Please. That was, that was like a, I, like, I know that in my bones. That's like his true values coming out in that moment, right? Sure. Where it's like, this is what I really want is to not hurt people. And, oh, I just, I, that's, that was just like, that's what I want for him is to, yeah. to be his most authentic self, right? He and wants to, to
1: be the hero and heroes yeah. don't hurt people. Heroes save people.
0: Yes, yes. Clarity. I I feel clarity on this issue. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I think one of the things that that happens there's a, in the Jewish tradition, there's a, a asking a question is uh, in the style of a havruta, which is when you ask a question and you provide your own answer and Mm. then you ask someone else. So, and hear their answer. And the, the idea is that the true the truth lies somewhere in between. Interesting. And I think that what your answer alone did was give us the in-between, right? It showed us that, yeah, you can be both really sincere with that and also be trying to console. And so I just, I really, that's, it reminded me of that practice. So mm-hmm. I, I thank you for not falling into the trap of a binary. That's just <laughs> really so important. Um, Okay, I, we have we have to spend some time on Viren and Erevo's. There's, I believe we
1: do. Yeah, there,
0: there's really no way around it. Um,
1: I regret but, to inform you, it's Erevo's <laughs> time.
0: Yeah, so like the fact that Homeboy goes, I would never lie. Like I sit there and go, like, there's no way that anyone <laughs> believes you. <laughs> like, is like, anyone I mean, with a voice like, like that? <laughs> I believe him. My <laughs> God, like, what a. What a uh, sexy voice, oh my ooh. goodness, yeah, oh, Eric, yeah, yes, and it's just like that that <laughs> the first time you you hear the voice, everybody's voice just everybody's jaw just drops, it's yeah. just like whoa, <laughs> um, and this is the first episode where we really get to like hear him continue to speak, and this i would I would never lie is. Unreal because I'm sitting there going like, (laughs) and and Viren mistrusts him. Like, it seems like there is this mistrust. He's like, No, give me your name, right? This is this is the deal. And so, my original question coming off of the recap, I think, was something along the lines of, What's the relationship between control and clarity? Yes, and I think we can ask that question here. So, when when Viren is asking for Erevos's name and Erevos is like, you won't, it won't make any sense to you anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. And Viren's like, no, you will give me your name. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that is an attempt at gaining some control over this issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Because being in the dark, being unable to have that clarity of purpose seems like there is also a lack of control. It, does that resonate with you too? Or do you see it differently? I mean, differently? I think
1: so. I think, uh, uh, I, think, I think the whole deal with the mirror up until this point is Viren has been trying to do everything possible to make something happen. And then all of a sudden, this sexy celestial elf appears out of it. And Viren is no longer the cat with the mouse. He is the mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and he's trying
0: so hard to, to stay that cat, right?
1: Bless him. He's trying,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think.
1: Cause I mean, I don't, I don't misbelieve Erevos. I don't think his name ultimately matters a whole lot to what their relationship will become.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I agree with that. I just, I think about if I put these two next to these two scenes next to each other, where Soren, Soren gains this clarity through this really traumatic incident that happens to him.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And Viren is struggling so hard to gain clarity by learning as much as possible. And it seems like when I ask about who is more in control here, it seems like, Despite Soren's inability to move, I would say he's in more control of himself at this moment than he has been the entire series up to this point. I agree, and And I would—I for sure agree. And then I would say, Viren is has the least amount of control at this point in the series, and I and it's just interesting to put those next to each other and say, like, at what point? Like, what is the relationship? Is it that clarity? Is it that they are like they're usually near each other, but not necessarily connected, or is it a no? Like it, it you need clarity in order to be in control. Uh, and ooh, that makes me sound. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. What do you? How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh. Hmm. Uh. I. So I think. Hmm. I think with regards to to what you're saying, with you know, Viren being entirely out of control but seeking that clarity so he may then regain control like jason who plays viran has said some stuff that i really really love about viran first and foremost that viran viran is very like blinders on single-minded forest for the trees you know he will he'll see he'll see the direct thing in front of him and say this is the thing we need to deal with but he might not see the ramifications down the line. Mm. And I don't necessarily mean to say that he's, he's purposefully short-sighted because I don't think he is. I just think he's a very results oriented sort of guy.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: He wants to get results done. And much in the way of many of us, really, when something is out of our control or out of our grasp, What's the first instinct we have? Mm. We seek to learn. We seek to learn everything we can about it in order to analyze it and therefore find a solution to it. Yeah. And yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Ben.
0: I was gonna say this is the whole reason I'm in school right now is because I'm trying to gain control of my life. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, Good luck. That's so why I'm going to school to learn more about trauma and mental health and spirituality yeah. because these are all the things that I have no control over in my life. Huh. So gonna... weird. <laughs> weird,
1: weird, How that works?
0: <laughs> oh,
1: welcome to bending, not breaking. This yep. podcast about Ben.
0: Yeah, a podcast about <laughs> me being a cliche. <laughs> uh, yikes anyway um,
1: but yeah i think i think that's ultimately it you know like the 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 human instinct is to learn the human instinct is to gain as much information and knowledge as we can about everything possible in order for that to best serve us in dealing with the issues we face mm-hmm. and eravos has all the answers <laughs> yeah you know he doesn't he need, does he doesn't need to gain any clarity at all because he's like which I know <laughs> he has
0: so much clarity about like, okay, I finally have a tool. I'm going yeah. to use it to its full potential. <laughs> like, he's been planning this for what, however long centuries, however long, yeah, like... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Be old. yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of clarity that can be gained from speaking back to, to what happens with Soren. There's a lot of clarity that can be gained from like realizing the impact of your actions, mm. which Viren has not yet come to grips with yeah because everything Viren does, Viren does for the kingdom Mm. and Mm. the kingdom Mm. is still in a weird place and he's still in the throes of trying to make stuff happen for the good of the kingdom and for the good of humanity because that's Viren's whole thing and you know, I don't I I agree with, with Jason to a point that I don't think that Viren acts selfishly often. He does. He for sure does. Towards, you know, in in many parts of the show. But Viren is duty bound.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how. And so the way that I kind of think about is, is sometimes. uh, we lie to ourselves in a very compelling way about what is our duty and what is not, yeah. and how we can talk ourselves into a self-serving narrative that also happens to serve the greater good, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about about Viren. Period. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no but 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 I agree like cuz that's that's again like harkening back to to manufacturing consent you know we we mm. give ourselves these narratives in order to do things you know when we when we enlist in the army say we are given permission to shoot and kill to take lives and we're told the reason we do that is to you know maintain our freedom or to protect our interests abroad or yep. because they're the bad guys but you know not to sound too cliched about it, but who are we to them?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that was repetitive. Uh, ah! So, I think do you ha- do you have another moment of clarity before uh, I offer one, or we?
1: You you go for it. I've been I've been offering a whole lot of
0: them. No, I love they're, they've all been very wonderful. They've been very helpful. I, I am learning a lot about clarity right now. So this is, this is kind of helpful for me. So I, I think the moment that I want to point to next has to do with Rayla. Sure. And it goes back to what we've already talked about with Ezran. It's so this moment that Ezran learns that he is the king and that Harrow is past, Uh I It's interesting to talk about the language that Mm. Rayleigh uses and how Ezrin reacts to it so he like the way she words it is she says that must have been when he fell when he references the bracelet falling off of her wrist mm. and then he gets really mad and says yeah. no Rightly so. he didn't <laughs> fall he got killed yeah and he you know puts language to it that makes it more real more honest more true and it that kind of brought me back to this idea that that clarity is more kind than being nice or beating yeah. around the bush or saying things to soften the blow yeah. and so I, I'm curious what you're what like do you have an experience where that has been true for you or like what, what are your thoughts on this I mean I, I
1: agree wholeheartedly I think I think that there is so much more kindness and so much more uh, uh, growth to be had from just being completely honest about what's going on you know I mean speaking to my own career as I was saying earlier in the in the in the episode you know we are completely out of control for the longest time and this is like every acting school does this and it's not out of analysis, <laughs> it's just what life is they're like, oh yeah, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can get the part. You can get in there. You can do this. You can do this. You book this. You're going to go on to this, this, and this. And that's just not true. Because everyone's career is different. Everyone's path is different. And you know, the same, the same opportunities don't happen for everybody. Yeah. Because it's a mixture of pure luck. <laughs> it's luck and skill and opportunity and, and privilege in a lot of cases. You know, yeah. I I have not um, I, I have not experienced the same things as an actor of color that, say, some of my some of my white colleagues may have experienced. That's not to say their experience is less valid than mine. It's certainly not. But my experience is different from theirs because of all sorts of extenuating circumstances. And of course that's not me making excuses at all. That's just me, you know, kind of speaking on it, but hearkening back to my acting school point, you know, we are told there's so many ways that we're going to do this. We're going to succeed doing this, this, and this, you know, and speaking to Vancouver specifically, I'll, I'll share something my agent told me that I fucking loved. I'm so happy she told me this because I, I, she sends me clients to coach once in a while and, uh, we were chatting on the phone because we have a very very congenial relationship she was like i fucking wish these acting coaches in vancouver would start training actors for the roles they're going to be auditioning for here and i was like t what do you mean (laughs) and she said well they they keep prepping them for you know leads and and guest stars and Mm. all this stuff and they're and she was like jesse do you want to know the, the percentages, and I was like, absolutely. I want to know everything. Give me the dates. Like. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did the math that Vancouver wise shows that shoot in Vancouver, it's like 0.003% chance that as a Vancouver actor, you are going to book a series lead or guest lead on a, an American show that's shooting here. Wow.
0: That's and so small.
1: It's tiny it's it's infinitesimal it is that's why i say it's it's so luck oriented yeah and you know she was saying i really wish that you know these acting coaches would would prep actors on doing one-liners on doing day players on doing the the technician roles the bouncer roles, all this all this stuff that they're actually going to be booking Mm. and you know i i have thought about that every day of my life since she said that (laughs) because that's just that that's true you know i i have been auditioning on camera for more on camera work in the past year than i have in my entire career and that's partially been because now self-tapes are open and i can just stand in front of my white door and take a video and send it in but the percentage of those roles that have been you know non-speaking sometimes or a single line or two lines or three lines, probably three lines tops has been, I want to say like 80% of the work I've auditioned for. Wow. And, you know, even in the bigger ones, it's maybe like five lines, (laughs) but you know, the, the, the series, the guest stars, the series leads, I haven't auditioned for a series lead in on camera. No, once, twice, twice in my career. Dang. And it's something that I really, really wish that like I had been made more aware of because like I'm not mad at it. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I'm not going to be on CSI Vancouver or whatever. I don't want to yeah. be on CSI Vancouver. But I would love to have had that knowledge of like, yeah, this is, this is the truth. This is what's happening this is how the industry in Vancouver works. Be prepared for it.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because a lot of people get into acting for that dream role, right? Sure. That's, that's what the whole point is that you want that. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I, I think that's interesting that um, that percentage is just woof. It's tiny. So, well, it's, and I tell, I tell folk all the time, like, if you,
1: if you stick to this, you're going to get somewhere. I don't know where that somewhere is. Yeah, because that could be maybe you find success uh doing audiobooks for a living. Maybe you find success doing I have a very very good friend who is a social media manager by day and does like a couple voice acting gigs here and there and she loves it. That's what she wants to be doing. That's awesome. Like she would much rather be doing voice acting as like a side thing than as a main career thrust. Um yeah, it's it's like you never, ever, ever know where you're yeah. going to end up. But if you get if you keep at it, you're going to find something. I don't know what it is. But something will happen.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's just letting go of expectations. And, yes. you know, like in and becoming. You know, gaining clarity around what expectations are appropriate, yeah. right? absolutely that's
1: that's such a big part of it
0: okay well how about this let's (laughs) let's take a short musical interlude to think about our next segment and we'll be back in just a moment All right, everyone, welcome back. I hope that musical interlude entertained you for a short while. We are back and ready to dive into our Lens MVP. And just to remind everyone what that is, the Lens MVP is the, we are both going to choose a character that we think deserves the Lens MVP award. So the character who for this week is the most, has the most clarity or provides the most clarity to someone else. You can make the argument however you want regarding who and how and why they're related to clarity, but we are going to pick someone that has the most of it. And so, uh, Jesse, are you interested in rolling first or do you want to roll second with who we think uh, we want to nominate for this award? Uh, Very prestigious.
1: So prestigious. The trophy's in the mail. Um, I'll go first. All right, let's hear it. Uh I think my my clarity MVP of the day is dun, dun, dun. Uh I think it's Soren plainly. I think just that that moment of nepotism. Of him, yeah well it is partially. <laughs> uh I, I think just that wonderful little moment of him in the hospital bed being like, "You know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is my life now." And you know, I I was listening to Virin cuz Virin's smart and I thought he was right and turns out maybe he wasn't so right
0: yeah yeah i
1: think that that um that to me at least was the most impactful because probably i did it
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay
1: i have a really close second runner-up though and i want to see let's let's see if you you get it
0: so i I'm waffling between two right now. Okay. I'm waffling, I'll tell you who I'm waffling between. I'm waffling between Callum and Erebus, Okay. which are two very different. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, you, you've, got, you've got my i I've got second. one of them, I've got you've one got of them. Him. I'm not gonna tell you who, but. Uh, okay, so if I'm, if I'm going, to do, going true to the award and the nomination here, yeah. and who's like the king of the, the crop, I'm gonna go with Erebus. Okay. And the reason I'm picking Erebus, is Erebus has all of all of the details. And in in the, in the sense that one of the things I admire about what clarity provides people is often clarity provides a sense of calm. And, you know, we can, we, if we look back at all the characters who have clarity, it's they, like Soren, super calm. Like he has come to this awareness and he's, you know he's not yelling. He's not throwing things. Not that he can. But um, when you go to Viren, he's like raising his voice. He's getting angry. There's this lack of clarity. I, I think the the exception that proves the rule is Ezrin, who gets you know he gets mad when he learns this information. But then the first thing he does is says I need to go on a walk, and I need to learn and process and and reflect on this. And so. Erevos is super calm and he has a purpose. He knows what he wants. He's walking Viren into his trap every step of the way and doing so with a smile on his face. And so I think there's just so much clarity around his intentions um, from his perspective, not necessarily ours. Um, and maybe that's being generous, but that's, that's my, that's my thought process.
1: That's a solid thought process. My, my second was Callum. Yeah. If only for destiny is a book you write yourself
0: yeah but yeah
1: but your reasoning behind Erebos solid
0: so we've been doing a fun little thing on instagram and on twitter where we are putting up a poll and we're we're you know you versus me jesse we are we are going against each other here okay uh so our listeners and our people that follow us on the social medias whether they listen to the podcast or not are going to vote and decide uh also, and we're going to find out who wins Ooh, between okay. Erevos and between Sorin on who deserves the Lens MVP award. Okay. So be prepared. It will come out either the day of or the next day, depending upon, you know, whether I feel up to posting it that day. But it'll come out after it comes out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll make sure you're tagged in that so you can check it out. Maybe you shouldn't vote. Maybe I shouldn't tag you. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, here we are. So that brings us to our final segment, which is that of gratitude. And gratitude is a chance for us to pick a character who has given us something, whether they have given us uh, something to think about, whether they've taught us a lesson. Whether they have just been super cool and you just admire them, and you have a friend crush, whatever it may be, whatever you're grateful for. So, once again, I'm going to give you the the invitation. Are oh, you, you interested go first on this one? I was uh, first last me? time. Oh, okay, my turn, my yeah. turn, my turn. Okay, in that case, I am going to pick Callum here. Sure. Um, so, Callum for many of the reasons that I probably would have said for him to win the lens MVP award is that he's, he is going through so much struggle here and it's struggle in this, in a very literal physical sense, but also in a very, like, he's been struggling this whole season, trying to figure out how to grapple with learning magic and grapple with all these things. And I really admire that, in this moment where he is tested he is able to say you know this is a the book of destiny is one that i write right it's just like i, I think that that moment is really powerful and you see dark Callum just dissolve and then he's able to go on the spiritual journey on the sea in a boat and i just i really admire that moment of being able to say no thank you to something that we're tempted to and not that i, and I think oftentimes we're tempted to do things that we should totally allow ourselves to do that we say no to. <laughs> but I think in this case, it's just a really beautiful thing that he's able to resist that and stand his ground and be his, what he's been committing to for this whole season and stand stand up to it. And so I just, mm-hmm. that's why I am grateful for Callum.
1: I, yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> not to piggyback too hard, but I was gonna say the same. I, I Callum's- uh, Cheater. know I know. Callum's moment just again destiny is a book you write yourself like that's that's the show (laughs) that's the probably the most important thing he could have said in the entire thing not only for his own growth but to define like the the it's the thesis statement Mm. for what we see in the show with the with the experiences of everybody and dealing with the generational trauma and the generational wounds and trying to break the wheel of generational
0: violence. Yeah. Which is what we're all trying to do. Maybe not well, all of us. I but hope. It's, it's, I'm trying to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. so, uh, man. Wow. Okay. What a, what a cool episode this has been. I feel like I've learned so much uh, from talking with you, Jesse, and from grappling with, this lens and this episode it's just what a what a lot this has given us so jesse we are nearing the end of our time and i want people who want to be able to follow you and know where to find you to be able to do so if that is something that you so choose so sure, if, if you know. want people to you know <laughs> send you <laughs> gift cards and things like that how might they contact gift you? cards
1: hell yeah
0: now we're uh, talking
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jinocalia. That's j um, yeah, i n o c a l l a. Yeah, I post about projects that I'm involved in there. Um, yeah, this has been this has been a joy, Ben. Thank you so much for having me back.
0: It has been a pleasure. I've been trying not to say it's been my pleasure because it's like we can both have pleasure from this. This is okay. Um, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a wrap. Jesse, thank you so much for blessing us with your time. And for everybody else, remember, you can find us at BNB underscore pod. And you can also email us at e at gmail.com. Find us on all the social medias, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. And we look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, be well and do good.